Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And it's been, how long did you say? Since we Since the recording? 24th of June. Today. It, that's when it was put out. So about a little less than two months. <laughs> so in case you forgot, we have a podcast Remember called us? No Instructions. But then two dudes. Uh, so times are crazy. How yeah. you doing? Uh, better than I was doing. Yeah. How are you doing? Better than I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot better, actually. Um, it's been it's been a crazy couple of months. Indeed, it has. So, <clears throat> to kind of fill people in a little bit, obviously, COVID is is causing lots of problems with lots of people. Um, Unless you're in New Zealand. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But uh, we, we've spent a significant amount of this year not in the office yeah. um, because of that. And also, I think maybe right before or right after last time we recorded, Anthony had another kid. Yeah. So well, congratulations. Well, that's true. His wife had the baby. He was just there. Um, and so that, that played into part of it. When we ended up coming back together in, in the office, he was here for... A week and then didn't come back so that they could have the baby and then craziness ensued and we ended up not coming back all to the office together <clears throat> long story short uh my wife got covid she's fine now um and because of that we there was concern that everybody had it and that josh's family had it and a bunch of stuff and so Throughout the past several weeks, we've been completely isolated from people, um, even isolated from each other. Like my wife and I have been in different bedrooms and she had a mask on inside the house for weeks at a time and stuff like that. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy. We're all negative and we're back in the office. So that's exciting. That was the shortest, most concise way I could put all of that <laughs> because it felt about a billion times longer than that. Yep. It. How much deeper do we want to go? Into? I'm not sure how deep we want to go. On I that. think <clears throat> so. When we found out that um, we say your wife, like it was just her. I'm. Um, I'm. So the reason I said that is to work against my human nature to pass blame and point fingers. I'm trying very, very hard not to do that. Well, and, I think that we and take can take personal responsibility and stuff. And I am, uh, I can speak for my own household. And I'll speak for mine since. Fair enough. So <clears throat> we, we say that in such a very strange way. Because as we talked about on the podcast, like we are very concerned about this. We're very concerned about our families. We're very concerned about just the need that people have to want to get out and go hang out with other people and just kind of ignore it or let their frustration or cabin fever kind of get the best of them and just go, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm secluded enough, long enough. It's enough for me. It's time for me to just be done. And our wives are extremely social people, uh, more so than the two of us. And By miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we as a group, not just you know, our two families, but our, our close little circle of families, our little bubble, right, that we've tried to operate in within covid 
Um, our wives before all this happened used to have a, a weekly like mom's coffee thing. It was a, a staple in their their schedule. It was something that everybody needed to kind of you know fellowship together. And so we talked about that coffee date, and we're like, well, you guys can't go hang out. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you can get on Skype or Zoom. Which Skype like completely missing the boat. That's something else we got to talk about. <laughs> yeah, for but, real. Um, Microsoft's like, wait, what Skype again? Who? <laughs> Come on. So we talked about um, having like the ladies, like what that would look like if they all got back together <clears throat> for their weekly coffee date. I was like, well, we have to kind of within the, the four or five or however many families, like we have to be very open so that we can maintain our, our little bubble, our force field that I like to call it. And apparently one of those weeks, uh, the force field was breached by by somebody visiting another family member from out of town. Uh, I didn't know about it. I don't know if you knew about it. I did not. Uh, the girls were were cautious up to a certain point, and then they were back to being friends. I know my wife mentioned like getting up and just saying bye and hugging this person that she had just met because they're they're cordial and they're friends and they're lovely people. And so, of the five ladies that were at this coffee meeting. Uh, my wife, your wife, and then three other ladies. Everybody except my wife somehow uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, it's suspected that the person from out of town had it and infected everybody else. So, like our little community of people—not just like the three of us that work in this office, but like our support chain, you know, outside of this, like socially—was hit super hard. Wasn't tangential wasn't like oh there are raising rising numbers in your county in my house yeah it was i know your wife my wife and myself all went and got stabbed in the brain with the test that day to to see um it's pretty unnerving having to wait the like four to five days because this is the problem with my house again i'll speak to my house in that time frame between getting tested and receiving results, our two families intermingled just like they kind of normally would. And I came over to go to work. I was very cautious. I tried to maintain distance. My wife brought her kids over. So our kids were playing. Your kids were playing with other people. Excuse me, hit the microphone. And that weird little test period, it didn't fully dawn on me that I assumed because of the, of the force field, like, it's either everybody inside the force field has got it or no one has it, got it. Yeah, me too. And that wasn't the case. Like my wife and I, our test results were negative. Uh, your wife's were positive. Everybody else's were positive. We had in that little bubble and a swing of <clears throat> symptoms from completely being laid up, feeling like they were going to die to, you know, not feeling well, but like managing I don't know what the out-of-town person was, and I'm not sure exactly what what your wife's symptoms, but, I mean, at the time, like you talk about wanting to pass blame, I super wanted to pass blame. I I felt betrayed, not only by, like, the person who was popping, you know, the bubble, but, like, my wife and I had some pretty, pretty rough conversations about, like, personal responsibility, and now, like, we don't know what this is going to bring about, and this is the reason why we're doing this in the first place, and... I remember she felt terrible. Like that, I think that was a sentiment across the board. Was it was, 
a simple mistake. This wasn't like a hey, let's like you guys have the chicken pox parties. You hear about those back yeah. in the kids? Like yeah. this wasn't a thing. Like oh, let's go get everybody infected so we can get over with. Like it was everybody was wearing masks. Everybody was being reasonably safe. And then at certain points, the the discipline lapsed in a smallest kind of way, and that's when it it hit. So the the day that I heard all that. Like I was upset and then I went to the, to the place where they were all meeting and I was sitting out in the parking lot and there's just like, not a whole bunch, but there's groups of people that are walking in there without masks, like operating like they just don't care. And I, I went into the, to the place and I, I battled with like, do I tell all these people? Like, do I create some mini little scene in, in this location? To where these people's business might be affected. But like I'm staring at the place where they were all sitting. Days ago. And I think the people that like don't care about masks. Or like it's itchy or it's whatever. Like can't put a, a finger on the reality of what it is. And I'm like that place. That seat. Those seats. Right there. Like that's it. And you're hanging out right here. And if you don't care then that's on you. But if you think it's this fictitious thing, I'm here to tell you that it's not. Yeah. And so I battled with <clears throat> like my own reaction, even though I I wasn't tested positive. I that like I, I felt uh cheated. I felt that, you know, we were doing everything we could and then other people weren't as serious about it, and then it became real. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's real. And and so I haven't had much to say on social media, like on that end. So I haven't been on social media for probably the two months. Because I don't know what to say that already hasn't been said to people. I don't want to make people feel worse about a situation. But I, I want people to know. I want people to know that this is not some fake thing. And... I don't know. I, I struggled pretty hard with that on top of a bunch of other things that maybe we'll get into. But um, I'm glad that Jenny is better. I'm glad she's feeling better. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, we were really blessed in that she didn't have any major symptoms. She had some mild um, kind of chest burning and some... Things like that, not painful, but just like odd sensations that she was not used to feeling. And um, but she didn't have any like trouble breathing, you know, nothing like that. But I think the biggest thing for us, <clears throat> the biggest odd, um, I, I want to say symptom. It wasn't really a symptom, but the the condition was this weird social. Um, I had a I had a word for it before, and I I can't remember what it was now. But it's like this: there's like a social cost to it, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> you know because in in that time, like you're talking about, between when they had the interaction that caused all this to when we realized that somebody was sick, in that week or eight days or whatever it had been, you know, our daughter went to. Uh, gymnastics. We picked up other kids from gymnastics and brought them back to our neighborhood. So we had interactions with at least three other families with kids in that week time period. 
<clears throat> well, and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so w- once you get tested, even the threat of it being uh, positive, you immediately start thinking of all the people that you've probably infected. Whether you even know if you're contagious or not, whether you know if you have it or not. We had seen my parents the day before. They're in their 70s. Um, both very healthy, but both very, very aware of the danger yeah. and have been staying at arm's distance. Like they would drive up and sit in their car and we would talk to them from the house. Like, you know, and they had come up and sat on our gazebo and had lunch with us a few feet away. And your mom is adorable, by the way, because <laughs> she goes, I get it. We're old. <laughs> like it, it, it made me laugh <laughs> amongst all this when I didn't think that I could. But, you know, so, I mean, there's just this flood of of guilt, I guess, around, like, oh, no, what if we were the conduit? Which was my entire worry this whole time, from the very beginning of yeah. all this stuff. That's been the thing that I've been worried about. What if we are the reason somebody else gets sick? And that's why I've been so, you know, probably militant about the the things that we do and the things that we don't do it's just a concern of mine i just don't want that on my conscience and i don't want anybody else to get hurt and so then to for so long to actively i'm this is what i'm fighting against i don't want to get other people sick and then all of a sudden to be in a position through no fault of your own oh no we might have gotten other people sick even though we've been trying so hard for so long yep and uh i had a pretty hard time with that and my initial thoughts were to want to blame and I think that's still there to a degree, but I'm trying really, really hard not to do that because I think one of the things I realized through all this is that one of the biggest dangers of COVID is um, the division that it's causing. Obviously there's a lot of health problems, but it is causing so much division in so many places that it doesn't need to be there. That's just making everything worse. And so by me realizing that internally and saying like, well, I can either be mad at these people or just realize that this is just part of the condition that we live in. It's it's a thing that nobody's trying to cause. It just is. And so I can be mad and be, you know, hold it against them or I can just do my best to get past it and just deal with the situation at hand. So that's what I've been trying to do and trying really hard not to, to point fingers or anything. Which is really difficult when you had absolutely nothing to do with it. Yep. When there is a, a finger to point. Yes. And you are, I don't want to say suffering the consequences because I have not suffered in any way whatsoever. When you've been inconvenienced by the consequences, I'll put it that way. Which I don't, I I don't, think... I don't want to be, I don't want to overplay it. Like we've been through some terrible thing. We've gotten out of this almost as scot-free as you could possibly get out of it. But I think my point in all that was that the emotional and the social uh, stuff that you have to deal with when you find yourself in that situation is tough. And we are incredibly blessed that there wasn't a physical thing that was tough as well at yeah. the same time. So I'm very, very grateful for that. But it's crazy. Uh, we, for, I don't know, three weeks four weeks i honestly have lost track of july completely yep um but we as soon as we found out 
my wife started wearing a mask in the house. Uh, I moved to my daughter's bedroom. She moved up with my boys. And we assumed that we were all uh, infected, but we decided just to act as if we weren't inside the house. And then after three weeks or something, the doctor recommended finally, when we thought we were going to get out of quarantine, that's when they recommended we go get tested. And then it's another five to seven days after that before yep. you can actually know anything. <clears throat> so that that whole process was pretty frustrating. But um, so we were acting as if we were sick that entire time. And then when we went to get tested, me and the kids were all negative, um, which was really surprising. But cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, with Jenny, it was it was like... The health department checks on you every day. You have to check in with them and tell them uh, temperatures of everybody in the house. You have to tell them if there's any symptom change for anybody. They check to make sure you're not going out of the house. They give you recommendations on uh, how long you have to isolate within the house, how long you have to quarantine within the world. And then our doctors are saying different things. And that was really irritating. Yeah. Because it's like you both probably know what you're talking about. You're both taking guidance from the CDC, but you're ha- you're telling us different things. And I just want this to be over with. <laughs> I just want to I want to see my wife's face, not behind a mask. You know, I want to have dinner at the same table because that's something we've done our entire life as a family is dinner at the table. Yep. And one of the emotional kind of hard things about this, um, and it it's. Not that big of a deal in the long run, but the first night of all this stuff, we knew that, you know, she's wearing a mask. She's in her room and our bathroom only uh, without the mask. And so the rest of the time she was either trying to be outside or she still cooked our meals, which was awesome. Um, But basically she didn't go anywhere else in the house. Every night since... Our kids were born. We all, every kid throughout the years, everybody ends up in one room. We uh, will usually read uh, devotion together as a family. We always pray together as a family. We always talk for a few minutes and everybody goes to bed. And that's that's bedtime. It always has been. My oldest is getting pretty old, but that's still what we do for bedtime. <clears throat> so the first night of all this, we... were sitting on the couch while the kids are upstairs brushing their teeth and I started crying and I was just like, this is a, a moment in time where stuff that we've always done, I'm not crying now, my throat is just really dry. <clears throat> this is a moment in time where everything, not everything, a lot of things that we have taken as this is the way we do it, it has to change right now. And because of the age of our kids, it probably won't go back to how it was. Hmm. To a degree, you know, it, it may change and that's fine. But it was just like a realization of we're about to start um, having our bedtime routine, our time together, not up in the boys' room where there's plenty of space and we're used to doing it. We're going to be doing it in the living room. And then from there, everybody's going to split off and go to their bedrooms. Hmm. I know that's not a big deal, but like that's a, that's a marked change. And given that my kids are the ages they are, we probably won't go back to let's all go do bedtime the same way we did it before. Oh. And that was one of a few things like that that are that are natural changes within a family. I mean, that would happen eventually regardless of Yeah, but most of the time, though, I feel like those changes aren't so noticeable. 
or it wasn't caused by a thing or you couldn't point to the catalyst that made yeah. it different. And they didn't all happen on the same day. This was like, well, for the next three weeks, uh, mommy's going to be eating dinner outside on the gazebo so she can take her mask off. And we're all going to sit in here and look at her through the window. Mm. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. And it's over with and it's fine and we're having meals together again. But to have that next to bedtime, next to... You know, just all of the interactions you have throughout the day, like everything gets thrown off and um, kids are getting used to changes and they're used to, you know, they're getting older and they're changing through stuff. And it was just, that was really strange to me. Another part of the social thing that was really weird was um, when you talk to the health department, they ask you... um, about everybody that you've been in touch with, you've interacted with in the time of being infected to when you get tested or get isolated or whatever. And they want you to give them names and phone numbers so that they can contact trace to those people. I get that, but there's a weird, um, uh, I don't even know how to say it. There's like a weird social... Uh, privacy currency thing mm. that with friends I'm you know you're my friend I'm not going to give your phone number to a telemarketer because you. you're my friend right appreciate that so as soon as you give somebody's phone number without their consent to a government agency because they want to check in on that person even if it's for the best of intentions there's like a oh no what did I just do like I broke trust I broke this mm thing and we had to do that i guess we didn't have to but we did that with all the people that we had been in touch with to make sure that they don't spread it further you know i mean and then there was this weird tension with all of those maybe not with all of those people with some of those people i'm not sure how much of that tension was real and how much of it was imagined within us but like we betrayed you a little bit by giving out your information without your consent and it's not one person it's like everybody you've interacted with over the last week it was a lot of stuff to try to figure out how to deal with and figure out how to answer and figure out how to manage all at once. And like I said, I'm incredibly grateful that we didn't have the physical sickness really to deal with as well because that would have sucked. It would have been even worse. Well, I don't know. Last we spoke... Uh... I was supposed to be tickling lobsters in the Bahamas. <laughs> uh, and that did not happen. And I remember I was I was sort of I, I was uncomfortable on, on a very low level uh, with having to go through the Orlando airport by driving down to Florida because Florida oh man. I still consider myself a Floridian and it's almost despicable how many how much People just don't care, and it's running rampant, and the, the daily rates of people getting infected are ridiculously high, and it doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. And so that made me very uncomfortable. And so I had to try to, like we talked about before, like come up with some mitigating ways to to ensure that we could stay safe in this. And I was like, well, okay, it's a risk, but the risk-reward, like... <laughs> my wife and I haven't been on a vacation in a very long time, and at that point... Um, I really needed a break, especially from my kids. Uh, I was having an extremely hard time with my kids for a while. They were going to go with grandparents. My wife and I were going to go to uh, St. Thomas. 
I put a lot mentally on that trip rather than just like, oh, we're going to go on vacation, go hang out on the beach. Like, to me, it was a a deep sigh that I haven't had in a while. And when we found out that everybody was sick, like out of frustration and I think out of anger, I'm like, we're canceling the trip. And my wife was like, we don't need to cancel the trip. Like, uh, we came back negative. I'm like, no, I'm canceling the trip. Like, I'm, I was mad that it happened. I was mad at everybody else who doesn't care that it's happening to other people. I was, I was angry. I had myself a, a pretty steep pity party. And then with the contact tracing, like the health department called and was like, you guys are quarantined for, I don't remember how long. So in my mind, I had already canceled the trip. I already told my wife because at some level I was mad at her for, you know, being in that situation or consenting to that situation. And so at some level, I wanted to like, you're not going on this trip either. I want you to feel bad because you took this away from us, which was wrong. So in my mind, I'm like, no, we're, we're done. We're canceling this. This is something else that is this this thing that doesn't provide relief that I thought it was going to. I'm like, well, great. That's now ruined too. Thanks. And then with the health department calling, it's like, well, you guys are, are quarantined for, I, again, I don't remember how long. And I went, yep, great. Like I had already mentally canceled the trip. And then that very stupid thing I have, and I, I feel like many Americans have in this situation, go, well, I'm not on a no-fly list. You can't tell me I can't go. <laughs> Flashed in my head. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, Florida. <laughs> You're a moron. <laughs> That's like Florida's. Oh, I don't want to bad. It's a state. No, no, it's a state motto. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I can't do that. Who do you think you are? <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm not going for these reasons. Okay, good. You can't go. Well, now I am going. <laughs> so I, I took that really, really, really hard. Uh, the entire situation. Again, we didn't have any symptoms, but like everything getting canceled. And I know this sounds like a first world problem. Oh, I couldn't go to the beach. But that trip to me was going to solve a lot of problems that I had been putting off, especially problems with my kids. Um, I have not had the greatest relationship with them lately. Um, we, we've talked about some stuff on here and I would like to maybe talk about how you had to become the primary caregiver in your house but my oldest son and i have been at it for a while uh, we don't we are very much alike and we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things and i felt like i was just stuff was slipping away i would get really mad because you know we were stuck at home just like everybody's stuck at home i saw no relief to any of this he was bored i was bored I was hoping that, like, you know, at the end of this trip, they're going to be with grandparents. We're all going to miss each other. We're going to have that opportunity to miss the other group, and stuff is going to get better. And when the trip got canceled, like, I compounded all of those things. Like, now this is not going to get fixed. Now that's not going to get fixed. Mm. Like, oh, now we can't go anywhere. Now all of our friends are sick. And now we, have we as the healthy ones, tried to go around and go, like, offer assistance to everybody else because we felt like that was our absolute responsibility to do. And so I put so much on this trip that I just, I got super angry and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. My wife, my best friend, I didn't want to talk to her. Uh, I finally broke down and actually I had a doctor's appointment 
that regularly scheduled doctor's appointment. And we had to cancel a bunch of stuff because of the trip and, and whatever. So I was already really mad and frustrated. I'm like, well, I'll do this stupid doctor's appointment, which was over like a teleconference thing. And I switched clinics because I, I get my healthcare through the VA. And so this new doctor, um, they talk down to you whenever you try to use the telecommunication software, because I assume that they're talking to a lot of really, really old people. Hmm. So they're like, do you have an Android or an iPhone with a camera? It also has a speaker. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what about a computer? I'm like, yeah. Like now can you see things on the computer? I'm like, this is stupid. Shut up. Yes. I can be on the thing. And so they berated me, which made me feel very angry. And then 10 seconds later, they're like, we can't get our software to work. This is just going to be an over the phone thing. <laughs> So I was getting just like, I was boiling. The balloon in my head was about to pop. And the guy didn't know anything about me, asking me all these stupid questions. I'm like, everything is in my chart. Why do you not know any of this? And I was just, I was already pissy about a lot. And they asked this question that the VA always says. They're like, you need to, to talk to like a mental health provider, like during pre-screening. I'm like, I absolutely do. I was boiling over. And it, it took that moment of like my wife being upset with me and a level that I didn't ever really see before me being just felt like I was just trapped me being upset with my confidants, my friends, my kids. Uh, and so that started this ball rolling of seeing like, or seeing, I say seeing air quotes, seeing interacting over this teleconferencing with some mental health professionals about getting some, some counseling, how to deal with stress, how to deal with anger, and excuse me, for the most part, it's been good. I wasn't able to get an appointment for a month and a half. So hooray. But then they offer this thing called bridge therapy, where I had this conversation with this lady and she would give me very practical ways to, to deal with things. And in the middle of all of like trying to improve myself and try to improve my relationship with my family, like the COVID thing in our little community hit. And she had shared some ways to like try to combat negative thoughts how to put actual words to the things that you're feeling. Cause I'm like, I'm mad. I'm mad at everything. And she's like, well, okay, legit. She's like, but behind that, that overarching word of being mad, there are so many, there's fear that there's emotion words. She sent me this sheet and I'm like, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one <laughs> going on the list. Betrayed word. I probably wouldn't have used. I was just mad at people, yeah. but it allowed me to get, to the heart of how I was feeling about all of those things. And it allowed me to properly address them rather than just this feeling of being upset or angry overwhelm me. And I was able to kind of step back and look at, say the trip, right? I was still mad about the trip. I'm like, well, what did I think this trip was going to be? And, and when I boiled it down, this trip was going to be a distraction. And I was going to be putting off the inevitable. Like, hopefully, I will leave my kids. And hopefully, when I come back, everything will magically be better. Like, I'm positive that that's not the case. Yeah. And so, since then, and since canceling a trip, and since getting help, like, I am not a person to ask for help. And I've talked about some stuff in the Army here and whatever. Like, there's, there's things that I needed help with that I never asked for help with. And this, this lady told me that there's a lot of shame in things, especially, I think, around parenting. Uh, I hope I'm not the only person that feels some kind of shame as a parent. Or I didn't, I couldn't probably put that word to it. Yeah. But how to deal with that? Like, I haven't 
I haven't reached that subject yet. But just the fact that this lady was, she was asking me all these questions. She's like, I think you have a lot of shame that you don't necessarily need to have. Hmm. I'm like, okay. Like, I, I never really thought about that. But then giving yourself some grace as a parent and as a person, as a father, as a husband. Yeah. I wasn't doing any of those things. And I'm still probably not doing those things, but I'm I'm trying to improve. Well, it's interesting because I don't think that you, well, obviously you didn't, but I don't, don't think most people realize that they should give themselves grace with that stuff. So you can't do it until you realize that you should. Until a perfect you know stranger. I mean? Yeah. Like, my wife is, is amazing. And she can say the nicest things. She can say the most reaffirming, like, you're doing a good job. Like, everything is okay. And I look at her in her beautiful little face and I go, I don't believe you. Like, I don't feel what you're, what you're seeing. Like, I don't agree with what you're saying. I feel like I am doing harm. And so this entire time in COVID, like being around the kids, and I know that a lot of parents are around their kids more than they ever have been. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels like on some level they're doing harm to their kids. And the, the lady first, uh, when I, I mentioned that, she goes, do you read to your kids? I'm like books? She's like, yeah, like, do you like read to your kids? I'm like, yeah, I read to my kids. Just do you hug your kids? I'm like, yes. She goes, do you realize how many kids in the world don't have those two basic things that Oof. you just thought were like, duh, yeah. of course I do. Yeah. She goes, that in itself, you should be proud of. Hmm. Just everything else you can improve. But you have to start from a place of like, what are you doing right? <coughs> and I couldn't name anything I was doing right. I look so far down into the future as like this little moment right here or this little moment right here. You're going to be a serial killer because of this little moment right here. And trying to do all those things like I'm not in the right headspace to think clearly. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I'm betrayed. All those words like on the list, yeah. which I will I will link in the description of the show because it was extremely helpful. Um, Sorry, back down. But then as I start to kind of feel better about, like, I'm getting help. That that you couldn't get an appointment until so often to the future finally rolls around. So I have this appointment. The bridge therapy lady with all the practical things, like, I don't see her anymore. That was the longest relationship I had had any, with anybody in the medical community, like, ever. And it was four appointments. <laughs> Gosh. So I go to wow. see this actual, like, uh, who I think is my actual, like, therapist or counselor or whatever. And so she asked me these questions. And this is the fourth person because they do like these pre-screening questionnaires where they go into like things in your past. And so I'm like melting in this emotional just ball of disgusting crying goo to four or five different people because they all have to ask the same questions. So I get to the person who think I think is going to be my actual like therapist from here on out to help me out and to finally stop having to see these random strangers. And she's like, oh, no, I'm just the person that, you know, if you want medication, then you talk to me. You'll be seeing somebody else later on, which I haven't scheduled. And so just that, like, if you have things that you try to keep inside because you think they should stay inside and you, I am allowing myself to be vulnerable enough to talk to people. I've had to do that with five different strangers. Good grief. And I'm like, I am so far more emotionally invested in this conversation than you are. Can we please stop doing this? Yeah. So it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, but I think moving my personal needle to being okay as a father and a better husband and a better just person who can deal with stress and anxiety and things on a whole i think it's a positive 
and it's teaching me more patience, which sucks. <laughs> sucks bad. <laughs> but the, the a couple times they're like, well, do you have a support system? Do you have friends that you can talk to? And in that moment, like because of all of the stupid COVID stuff, because of the like our bubble has burst, I'm like, yeah, I do. But like everybody has got their own stuff going on right now. And I'm upset with a lot of people that I, I want to openly hug and embrace. Like I'm upset with them and I know it's going to pass. It has passed for me because one of those things was like in the combating negative thoughts. One of them was like labeling and name calling because the, the like lack of better, that the outbreak monkey in this little group of people that we have, like I blame that person wholeheartedly. I was angry at that person. And some of the things was like, uh, is there, is there evidence to support your claim? I'm like, yeah, they acted stupid in this moment. They acted selfish and all these, all these things. And I go, is there evidence that is contrary to that? I go, well, those people are like the most loving and caring people that I know. <laughs> and they're like, um, what were the other things? It was, uh, if you could put a positive spin on this, what would it be? I'm like, huh? Well, the person that came in from out of town, uh, needed some help and they went to them for like actual in-person help. And so, and, and I'm like repeating this back to myself in this like pissy, angry attitude. And I'm like, they're like the kindness, most selfless people I've ever met that did nothing but want to help somebody out of the kindness of their godly hearts. <laughs> and so at the end of that, I'm like, yeah, okay, that label and that stuff that I want to put on them is not accurate. It's, it's an accident. And it goes to the the fact that this virus is a real thing. And the precautions that you take. Like, you need to be consistent with the precautions that you take. That's that's the, the, the ballpark. It's not that, like, you're a terrible person because you did this thing and you should be shamed publicly in the square. It was if everybody had done exactly what they needed to do consistently, then we could have mitigated that. Yeah. And if there's a, a break in the armor, then that virus is going to take advantage of that. And we're not special. Like, we're regular people. And that virus wants at us just like it wants at everybody else. It wants a host. And we let it be. Yeah. Which is upsetting. But it is not... That person is not a terrible person. There's nothing further from the truth about those people. Right. There's nothing malicious about right. the scenario. It's just... It was a lapse in judgment. Yeah. And I am extremely thankful... That that lapse in judgment stayed uh, at the level that it was. But how did you do as the primary caregiver? Well, I don't know that I was the primary caregiver. I would, <clears throat> I would say I was. Um, there were certain things that I did more of, you know, of just like uh, around the house type stuff, and I mean. I don't know that I did more. I think Jenny just had to do less. Hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like, I guess the math there doesn't make sense, but I, I don't feel like I was like, okay, now I'm cooking all the meals and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. It was like, well, I just have to do those things that I've been doing with my team member. I've been, I have to do them by myself now. Just picking up slack. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to act like it was like I had a huge amount of extra to do. 
I had some extra to do. But I think the big thing for me was that since they couldn't be, uh, you know, physically close to her, they couldn't hug on her, they couldn't give her a hug goodnight and a kiss and stuff like that, the distance there was compounded on them and it came out on me. So they were a lot more uh, just physically attached and near to me than they typically are. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing, but there's four of them, so <laughs> it's, it's a lot. You know, a pack of wolves. Yeah, it's not. It's not like that was bad, but it does make it difficult to, you know, have space to yourself or uh, get all the things done you need to do if there's kids. Just like I need attention too, and like yeah, I get it. And I need attention too, and I need attention too, and I need attention too. You know what I mean? Yep. So there was that, but that's absolutely not worth complaining about. That my kids actually want to be around me. I'll take that. Um, well, I don't think it's something to to frame like that. Um, I, that for me was extremely overwhelming. And how to try to balance like everybody needs a visual individual attention when you can't go out and do anything. I think that that's a skill. And if that was not overwhelming, then you're doing something right. Huh. Or if you were able to manage that, then kudos to you. Yeah, I, I would say there were moments of it where it absolutely was overwhelming. But, you know. I think it was just a, it was just a really stressful uh, couple of weeks, few weeks, in general. Um, I think we had, you know, the fact that you guys were not here. <clears throat> I was putting the unnecessary pressure on myself to try to be super productive, but at the same time had kind of a dismal outlook on yeah. what if of everything. So. It was really hard, especially the first week or so. It was really hard for me to uh, just get anything done. I wanted to be away from the kids during the workday, but I also didn't actually want to work. I just wanted to be alone. Um, I also didn't want to talk about it publicly until we knew kind of the situation. I didn't want to bring it up on making it or anything because I didn't. We didn't know if we had anybody else infected. And there's a part of me that was just like, well, what if my parents get sick because of it? And then they actually get sick, sick, and we have to deal with yeah. life. I don't want to do that publicly. I want to deal with that, you know, personally. Um, so I kind of wanted to just get through it before we really brought it up anywhere. Um, I don't know. It, w- it was tough, you know, but I'm certainly glad that it's past us. That... <laughs> I say it's past us. It's really not. We can now go back out in public for the time being. With masks and proper precautions? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's not gone. It's not like, well, we had our time. Yeah. Hope everybody else Done. does all right. Nope. Even in the best case scenario where you have some antibody that stays around and helps you not get it again, which is not clear, my wife would be the only one that would have that. We're all still just as at risk as that we were, you know, a month ago. So, uh, but now we have the personal experience of, yeah, it's it's pretty terrible to be mandated by your local health department to stay in your house and they call and check on you every day and they call and this and this, you know. I mean, that doesn't feel real good. <laughs> so, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to deal with the emotional consequence of getting somebody else sick or the potential of getting somebody else sick. I don't want to deal with that again. I don't want to deal with having to be separated from anybody in my family for any amount of time. 
I don't want to deal with that again, you know? So, um, and that brings us to now where <clears throat> we're trying to decide how to interact with the world again. Like, I don't want to be fearful of every single thing that we do, but like what parts of life can resume? What parts of life are safe yeah. enough? Or actually, Jenny found this really cool thing. And a friend of ours who's a nurse sent it to her. And it was, it's a tool put together by, I want to say Georgia Tech, but I might be wrong about that. Maybe in Duke. But it's, it's a map of the U.S. <clears throat> and you can go down to the county level and then there's a slider that um, has a, the number of, um, it's a group size slider. So it goes from like 10 to 100 or something. And as you change this, the group size slider, it tells you the percentage of risk or the percentage of those people in your county that probably are infected. Hmm. And so it kind of gives you a risk management tool to yeah. say like, well, I'm going to a group of 100 people. What is the potential like percentage that I'm going to get it? And it is eye-opening hmm. because I put in our county uh, a group of 100 people just to see, and it was like 93%. Whoa. Dang. And then you put in a group of 10, and it was like 13%. Like, okay, now I'm beginning to understand why they have yep. the conditions put in place that they're talking about. You just send me that. We can put that in the show notes for people. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it again. Um, you know, and obviously that is a, a theoretical, statistical kind of thing um, that doesn't guarantee anything. But it, it helps you at least have some perspective on... The interactions, person-to-person -person interactions, are not as dangerous as it might feel, given the right conditions. But putting yourself in a position to be like, you know, we want the kids to play soccer again. But like a soccer field is full of huffing and puffing kids and all of their parents and all of their grandparents and all of the multiple games passing each other, getting in and out of the field. Like, it, that's a minefield. It makes no sense. And I want my kids to play. I want to do that again. But... Seeing an, uh, a tool like that to give you some perspective on what the percentage is, percentage of risk there, pretty eye-opening. So now we're dealing with that. And we're dealing with, you know, how do we do, like, our kids want to have sleepovers with their friends. And, you know, how much do we know about those people? What kind of precautions are those people taking? How much of the world do those people interact with? Yep. And then how do you talk to the parents or the other kid about that in a realistic way that doesn't sound judgmental. Uh, I I have found well basically what honesty. we basically we got to last night we were talking about this one particular sleepover for my daughter that is with a friend that there's not going to be very many people there we just don't know the family that well and stuff and basically I just got to a point with Jenny I was like we need to be willing to say I don't know it's okay to go into a to talk to another adult and be like, I don't know if this is okay for our kids. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with the kid. It has nothing to do with, we're in a, a just a thing where the information changes every single day and the, the amount of risk changes every single day. And I want everybody to be healthy. And I just don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it, at least for us, it feels like we need to have a justification for things. And, 
saying I don't know to any of these situations, these potential events or whatever, it acknowledges the potential for risk without being judgmental and without being like, I'm just staying at home forever and not or doing you're anything. you're a disgusting uggo full of all kinds of virus because yeah. look at you. Yeah. Like, it doesn't do that. It's, it's not that. It's just like, I don't know the best way to handle this. And so I'm going to err on the side of keeping everybody okay. Yep. <laughs> you know? And I think that needs to be all right. It needs to be okay for somebody to hear. It needs to be okay for somebody to be able to say to another person and not still feel guilty. So that's kind of where we're at with moving ahead and like risk management, um, at least for today. Well, we face the same thing. And I have to be that person to my wife. Not that like, oh, you messed up one time, so now I'm going to badger you. But she had to go do something when everybody tested. Jenny came back, tested negative. We came back to work for this project that we were doing that was on a timeline. Um, my wife had a, a class. She's a, a breastfeeding support class that she was going to teach. And it, it's all safe, but she had to go teach this class. It's like, well, the kids have to go somewhere. She's like, our friend Blank is going to go, is going to watch the kids. I'm going to take them over to their house. I'm like, hold on. We need to have this conversation. Where have they been? Have they been doing these things? Have they been doing this? Have they been in contact with this? And she's like, yes, everything is fine. And I'm like, I need you to reiterate to me this, these things. Have they had people from out of town come and stay with them? She's like, I don't know. I'll ask. And so she asked and the lady came back. She's like, oh, yeah, we had some people come stay last week. I'm like, nope. The answer is no. Yeah. Like, and I am a statistic-minded person. But at the same time, there is a, a level of risk, likely, extremely unlikely. You know, it's on a spectrum. And then there is the, the severity in, of that risk. Mild, nothing to extreme. Everything now with this with coronavirus, because it is so real to me, is bumped up a level. So the mm -hmm. likelihood of something happening could be very, very low. But my severity is already increased. So my... My default, no, is much quicker. Yeah, yeah. And I have to be cautious of that because, uh, like I say, you don't want to ostracize people, but uh, I'm not looking out for people. I'm looking out for my people. And I know that my people are probably going to get mad about some things. And then when they calm down, I think they're going to realize why I said no. And then especially because it's been so real for us and we want to try to convey to other people, it's not that you're going to walk outside and get the, get the Rona. But it's real. If you need people to go like, oh, yeah, I know people who got it. You're listening right now. So my risk mitigation and acceptance procedures are different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that my wife understands that. And that I believe hers are the same. I'm missing a piece, I think. It's a terrible thing to say, but I'm... I do think that a lot of people, and myself included, before all of this, you know, even if you believe it, even if you take it seriously, there's still this disconnect between, I don't know anybody that's had to deal with this. Only people on the news have to deal with this. Only people in other countries have to deal with this. And... We are that other country right now, yeah, by the way. We are those people that you know now. Now... The flip side of that is somebody could say like, well, yeah, now I know that Bob's wife had this thing, but she's fine. She didn't even get sick. I will counter that with, you know, Bob and you know that his wife got sick and she's okay. Bob also has a friend who is a nurse in Atlanta 
And she lost a friend of hers who's a nurse yesterday mm-hmm. from COVID, working in a COVID unit. <clears throat> so it is serious whether the people that you know that have it have symptoms or mild symptoms or no symptoms or don't even know they have it or whatever, it still will kill young, healthy people. Yep. So <clears throat> Mark Rober had it. I just learned that from the video I saw yesterday. Mark Herber came out in his like his shark suit, whatever video that he had. He came tested positive. And to, to mirror the things you talked about with your wife, like he was sitting outside and was playing games with his kid through a window using a laser pointer because they couldn't touch each other. Yeah. And But I think the danger in somebody not having symptoms is that people don't think it's serious. Yeah. It may be real. It may give you chest pains or it may make you cough a little bit, but it's not really that serious. And that is absolutely not true. Yeah, and for the the four out of the five people, it was extremely different from person to person. And there's no telling that if you and I right now were to drink a whole cup of coronavirus, that we would have the same symptoms, that we would react differently. Like it, uh, it's not just like, oh, I'm allergic to kitty cats, and you are not. So if there was a kitty cat, it would affect me. Like you don't know how your body will react to this thing that yeah. is brand new. Yeah. And so it's a, well, I'll accept the risk of getting sick. Like getting sick is a loaded term that is based on personal ignorance or just blind uh, pride. You don't know what it's going to do. And you don't know what it's going to do to others. And so people are like, put on a mask. You're, you're helping someone else. Like, hooray. Americans are not that altruistic. You need to make it selfish. Like put on a mask so you don't get sick. Because you can. And you had mentioned that your wife was walking outside with a mask and somebody like nonchalant and passive aggressive was giving her grief about it. Like, how stupid is that person? You don't know. You're you're making assumptions based on zero information, zero statistics. You're making it up. And then when people die, like you said, I'm sure I'm not the only person I've seen on social media where like, here's a person that's like, coronavirus is dumb, this is stupid, and then going partying. And then an obituary picture. Yeah. Yeah, for the context there, my wife went the other day um, on a little path near our house and was walking outside, which is a a well-traveled path where other people were. And she and my son had masks on because they were passing people in this like five or six foot wide path. This old man and his grandson or something passed her. And then the kid said to the man... Why do they have masks on outside? And the man said, I don't know. Looks pretty silly to me. And if I had been my wife, yeah, I would wife have is run over and everyone. gotten in his face at six feet <laughs> and said, I have this on because last week there was a virus in my body that I don't want you and your kid to get. That's why I have it on. Okay. You're freaking welcome. Mm. Yeah. But she didn't do that because she's nice. You know. So with all of this, Anthony, how long have we been talking? Five, five? Yeah. Yeah. Fifty five hours. Got it. It <laughs> feels like it. Yeah. This is like two months of of goings on. Oh, and this and is bottled this up is like, aggression that we've been able to have in about fifty five minutes. This is top of the stack too. Yeah. To be honest. What were you gonna say? Um This virus sucks. This virus sucks, and it sucks personally. It doesn't stop sucking just because you have the, a, a negative, or even if you have a negative test. 
I, I got a negative test and I still felt like I had it. I still felt like I could get everyone sick. I didn't want to do anything because of that fear that I would somehow get somebody sick and I knew I didn't have it. But I had to assume that a lot of people did. Yeah. But I guess for me personally, like with the, the going to talk to somebody, everybody is feeling stress right now. Like besides virus stuff. So many people are out of work. The postal service is about to get shut down. People don't know how to vote. Like the whole world seems like it's crumbling right now. And with that, uh, from personal experience, I, I have to tell you to, to put the phone down. Go put that phone down. And as difficult as it may be, like go take a single step to do something productive. Um. You talked about wanting to get away from your your kids and take a break and like come down and do some work, but then not feeling motivated to do work. Mm -hmm. I haven't done a single thing. I have a motorcycle that I was like 89 to 90% finished with and I stare at it and it just, I feel nothing. And that feeling had been around for such a long time that the thing that usually gives me joy or gives me self-fulfillment, I had zero interest in doing. And it was a dangerous place to be. And so if you're feeling those ways, especially right now when a lot of people may be out of work or your work looks different or you're at home or you just are so overwhelmed with the, the doom that seems to be happening outside, uh, I was recommended some breathing techniques that it it sounds really silly, but it actually kind of helped. You know, a lot of people talk about meditating or having a time to pray. Uh, having a time to pray and then having a time to like breathe and try to control your heart rate and control your breathing. It's taking a deep breath in for four seconds, holding it for four seconds, and then exhaling for four seconds. Hmm. In a nice, quiet place, away from everybody. Uh, I was doing it wrong and going like, yep, as soon as I get upset, I just... And so I look like an idiot sitting at my dinner table while my kids are screaming, and I'm just like holding my <laughs> breath really hard. And they're like, what's wrong with that guy? But it's... In the morning, before points that you know that are really contentious, like dinner time sometimes, trying to control yourself because I wasn't able to recognize when I was already deep into being angry. Hmm. Um, Matt and Destin on uh, No Dumb Questions had an episode recently about what makes them angry. And it was right in the middle of me going through all this. And the lady, the helpful lady that I talked to had raised these questions. She goes, what does it look like? What? when you're mad at like a 10 on your, your thermometer, like, what does that look like? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm mad. I'm screaming and I get really depressed and I want to retreat away from people. And she's like, okay, well, what does a, a one look like? I'm like, ha, snarky sarcasm. <laughs> Cause I'm passive aggressive. That's what I do. And she's like, what is a three? I'm like, I don't know. She goes, and that is common with a lot of people. It's that you may not realize when you're getting mad or when you are getting really anxious until you're deep into it and then you feel overwhelmed. And hmm. so by starting like the breathing techniques or starting out from like a proper calm, physically, mentally state, you're able to realize when you are starting to get upset and then taking like a healthy break, not a retreating depressive state, but just like taking some time to yourself to let some of the air out of that balloon. Hmm. And those are things that I didn't consider. Yeah. And they were extremely helpful. So in all of this, I know that these times are extremely difficult. And right now, 
I don't see things changing anytime soon. Uh, start from a, a safe place. Start from a really calm, collected place so that you can see things clearly and you don't start overloading all of this stuff on top of yourself. Because I started to do it and it was really dangerous. I think I've needed to do that. I, I'm glad to hear that because <clears throat> I think since the beginning of all this stuff, with you guys being gone and the the rhythms of productivity and the school change and all of the different things have just really flipped how I handle stuff. And I think for a long time there, my my zero one frustration level, mm -hmm. instead of that being the start of the day, I was starting at a five. Yep. And I didn't realize that, but that's really helpful information. Um, so I'm going to try to hang on to that for... I'm not feeling that way now, but I think, you know, given how crazy stuff is, I mean, it's very possible that we could be in another situation that we can't foresee, you know, at some point in the future. So, yeah, my kids are really mad at me because they <clears> haven't <throat> been on screens a lot. Um, I, I came up with a, a hip pocket phrase whenever we were quarantined, whenever we found out everybody was sick, like with the, if I'm going to be forced to be together, we're going to choose to be together. And that for me was a big thing, which sounds silly, <clears throat> but when my kids would go off, I'm like, just go, go be content. Like that was my goal for everybody to be chill, which was silly because that was lazy. It was, you go hang out on your screen and you go do your screen and I'm going to take a minute for me so that I can relax and we can all be okay. And in that they were not, they were hanging out by themselves. They were mindlessly sitting on a computer or a screen all day, not interacting with each other, getting really, really mad when we tried to take it away because they're, they're children addicts and we were not forming any kind of bonds at that time was not constructive or healthy in any way and they got mad well, boy did they get mad at me and i'm like that's fine you can get mad at me like i'm doing this for a reason and i i kind of know what i'm doing a little bit i think i know what i'm doing <laughs> the lady told me to give myself some grace so if this doesn't work and you end up being a serial killer hey i, I tried <laughs> i thought i knew what i was yeah. doing hey man what are you gonna do that's not great. So get some help. Give yourself some grace. Breathe. And they'll sound like really, really superficial, dumb things. But that superficial, dumb thing was very helpful because I didn't know how to react any other way. Yeah. It is. It is helpful. Have your, um, have your kids, how's their relationship with each other changed? So to, much better. Yeah. Man, so much better. <clears throat> they play together, whereas before they would play together, they would get frustrated, and then they would retreat away from each other. We swim a lot. Uh, we try to go out to, like, go hiking and go to state parks. More my time with them is more diligent and more purposeful because, I mean, they do kid stuff. They're loud, and they're annoying. And the last day I had with the bridge therapy lady where she was like, okay, you, can, you have some things. She's like, I put these things into play. Um, I'm like, okay, my, my daughter's like, I'm gonna play with Play-Doh and I hate Play-Doh. I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. It's chaos. It's disgusting. It's, it's I pretty terrible. I hate it. And I'm like, this is a test. I should try out these things I've been told and want to play with Play-Doh with my daughter. And I was losing it. I hate Play-Doh so much. They were grinding it in the carpet. There were little pebbles of it everywhere. <laughs> the stuff that we weren't able to clean up. Like my wife was doing something and I was ha like, 
we were painting on the table, which is just chaos. Everything is chaos. And I don't do well with chaos. I like to make it orderly. She came in. She was like, oh boy, look at you. I'm like, I'm doing well. We are having fun. <laughs> I am making memories with my children. <laughs> She's like, uh, you need some help? I'm like, please, dear God, take this for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding on to a scolding hot pan. She's like, let me let me help clean up with that. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and I ran away. <laughs> but then I ran away, calmed myself down, came back, and everything was fine. Um, but it, it's not easy. It's not easy to ask for help. It's not easy to receive help. And I know I need it. And I'm, if anything, I'm glad that I'm taking these steps to finally get it. Yeah. I mean, as much as it sucks for you to have gotten to a point to where, uh, to where, to where you didn't know what to do. The fact that that drove you towards something that is making a, a positive impact <clears throat> that will probably be a long-term positive impact on just how you feel. That's awesome because that's only going to have positive effects downstream into your marriage and into your, you know, the way your relationship with your kids and stuff like that. So I'm really glad that it got to that. I hate that it yeah. had to get there, but I'm glad that it got to that for you. That's really cool. <coughs> My throat. <clears throat> well, uh, is there anything else we want to talk through in this episode? Because I think next one we should find something very fun and very nerdy and very something-y to talk about. Something-y. That's the title. That's <laughs> something very something-y. Extremely something-y. But is there anything else like... I think the, we should do moment? a live show. Okay. Anthony mentioned that earlier, and I think it would be a good idea. We just hit 3 million subscribers, so that's cool. That is pretty cool. Um, you know, it's we are kind of getting back into our groove when we've been very, very quiet for a while. And, and a, by this episode, we needed to be quiet for a while. So... What do you think about doing a live episode where we can just talk to people about stuff? Mm, sure. Nah, man. <laughs> that's a stupid idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think there's a whole other episode right there in my in my answer. Yep. Uh, maybe we can have that episode. Okay. At some point. But yes. I don't know. We, we'll talk about something fun and silly. We could do it. Are we getting... Um, the Razor Crest? When's the Razor Crest? The Razor Crest, I believe, has shipped. Ooh. I believe. If not, it's about to. Razor Crest is a Mandalorian ship that Bob got two of so that we can play with them. Yes. I am putting together... Oh, yeah. What are you building? <laughs> Since we do that on this show, I completely forgot what the heck it is. Um, doing. I am still working on the... Pirates of Barracuda Bay set. I have not touched it since the last time we recorded at this table. I've intentionally left it here. So I just finished up bags five of... Hundred. Fourteen, at least. Fifteen. How many pieces is that? I don't know. Sounds like four billions. Twenty-five, forty-five. Okay. So for my <laughs> birthday, you got me the Lego Land Rover, which yes. was awesome. And it has just about that many pieces. Yeah. And so that was the one thing that I like. I didn't want to put it together. I'm like, you're going to have fun with this. You should put this together. Yeah. So I put my headphones on and went to town, and it was extremely helpful. So thank you very Good. much for that. Glad glad to hear that. I missed some pieces again. Farts. All right. Well, um, yeah, we'll figure out what the next episode is. Anything else you want to talk about now before we wrap it up? Man, I don't know. Um, 
if I'm going to link some, some numbers down below, if they don't apply to you, then hooray. They don't apply to you. Lucky ducky. Um, I'm going to put some, like, if you need help phone numbers, like if you need to talk to some people, there will be links down below. Uh, click the little description thing and the show, show more if you're looking on your podcast player to for people to to maybe get some help. I needed help. It finally took a while and I wasn't exactly sure where to go to get it. And so I'm going to try to make sure that if you need help after listening to this episode, you know exactly where to go. That's awesome. Good, good. Yeah. Um, I will also put a link to, or I'll have you put a link to that <laughs> um, tool, that risk uh, yes, thingy. That thing. Yeah, we're going to forget pretty cool. all this. Probably. I'm just, if try we forget, then just remind to. us. All right. Where can people find you? Um, man, I don't know. I'm not on the internet anymore. <laughs> Look for Josh <laughs> underscore make stuff. And I will take a picture of something that I think would make me happy. <laughs> and hopefully it'll make you happy too. How about you just find all of us at I like to make stuff on yeah, all the stuff. Do that. That's We're better. around. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for coming back. We should, uh, barring you know the end of the world, we should be back to regular shows. Don't talk about the end of the world. <laughs> then the world doesn't need to be talked about. So, uh, yes. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.